maybe company to visit or comes to you in the afternoon and then you come out to church in the evening, you've, you've just about got time to watch that nine o'clock drama, whatever it is, and then hop into bed. That is the end of your Sabbath. And that's not restful, is it? That's, it's good and it's wonderful, but it's not restful. What is God talking about when he calls for Sabbath rest? I don't know the answer, to be honest. I only know the question. But for what it's worth, I'll tell you what I think. I think that what happens on a Sunday here in this lovely church and in places of worship throughout the world is absolutely what God requires of us. We know that because the scriptures are full of examples of people gathering together uh, to worship much the way that we do here. And when we do this, God is with us, Jesus is with us, the Holy Spirit is here. But that's us. That's all of us. That's corporate. We can, we can so easily be anonymous in a situation like this, if we want to be in a setting like this. But we are his children, aren't we? I am his child. He is my father. He is your father. He wants to spend time with us individually. And we need to spend time alone with him. That is so important. We do need to rest in his company. Jesus, so often in Scripture, you see that he withdrew to, to, to just be alone, perhaps on a hillside, to, to spend time with his Father. And he needed to. Luke 6 tells us that on one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night, whole night, praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Big decisions require prayer. Matthew 14, after he'd heard about the beheading of John the Baptist, and when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. When we are grieving, perhaps even bereaved, we need to pray, we need to talk to God about that and we know very well on that last night before he died Luke 22 tells us that uh, he went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them knelt down and prayed and we know that his state of mind he was full of anguish so he needed to pray for things like fear and grief big decisions, so many other reasons, everyday life, God wants us to share it all with him. Not just us, me and you, alone uh, with God. Some people would call that a quiet time, but it's really whatever works, whatever, whatever you do with your own Christian life and experience. God has turned up in my garage, in my shed, on my allotment when I had it occasionally, uh, but the best thing of all, and you know this, is that when you just sit in an armchair and he sits in another and maybe you have your Bible with you. My favourite verse in the, in the Bible is Psalm 46 and verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. And that is such a good place 
and a good attitude for us to take time to be with God. It's not homework, you don't have to do it. But it's so good to just start there, be alone with God and talk to him, rest in him, listen to him. Just sit in silence because he is going to turn up and spend quality time with you. And then one more, one more commandment, and briefly, and we didn't read it, it's further on in verse 32. And Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded, take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So, a jar of this miraculous manna, this bread from God, is to be kept in a safe place. And if we read on, we'll see that it's going to go in the Ark of the Covenant with two other things. The Ten Commandments, the Tablets of Commandments, and Aaron's rod or staff. These are the only things that were kept in the Ark. In generations to come, says the Lord, people will see what I did for you when I brought you out of Egypt. The bad news is that even Indiana Jones doesn't know where the ark is now. It could be anywhere. Um, but the good news is, the very good news is that we have something or someone better than that to remind us what God has done for us all these generations later. So now let me fast forward to John's Gospel, which is the the book that we're reading through on these Sunday mornings, and a parallel miracle has just taken place to this manna one um, when 5,000 men plus their families have been fed with these five loaves and two fish. And we heard about that two weeks ago uh, when Debbie was sharing that with us. And there was plenty for everyone. Same sort of thing. And then what happened next is that Jesus... And the disciples, but not together, crossed the lake that night after the feeding of the 5,000. That's what Tom was talking about last week. And now they've arrived on the other side of the lake together. And a lot of the men that were fed, don't think so much the women and the children, but a lot of those men that were fed, they're quite canny. They've crossed the lake. And they uh, come to uh, speak to Jesus. And they ask Jesus for a sign. They asked Jesus for a miracle, like the one they'd had the day before. And Jesus says, ah, what you're actually looking for is more bread. You've come looking for a free lunch. Verse 31 of John chapter 6, these men say, well, Moses gave our ancestors bread every day for 40 years. No, says Jesus, that's not what happened. Moses didn't give them bread. It's my Father who gives you bread from heaven. So they've turned up, but for the wrong reason. They've turned up, really, for this free lunch. But it doesn't matter to Jesus. He's just glad that they are there. He's just glad that they turn up. We are so glad, aren't we, when we see new people, people that we haven't seen before, come into church to join us. I wonder if you can remember that far back however long ago it was, maybe it was recently, what first brought you to church? Not necessarily this one, but what brought you to church? It could have been a friend or a neighbour, that's often the case, isn't it? Maybe they asked you and you felt obliged to come along. 
Sometimes it's, we're obliged to come because our partner, our other half is coming to church and we feel that we ought to support them and come along to church. Don't really want to come, but here we are. Sometimes it's grief, it's bereavement that brings us to church. Sometimes the loss of a loved one can bring us to ask questions. Some people are lonely, want company. Some people come into church because they want a social life. That's why they're here. There are so many different reasons that people cross the threshold of a church for the first time. And I'm sure that when they come in, I can't remember it, but you come in and you're a bit anxious really because it's all strange, it's all new. But actually, what happens in the main is people come in and they find out that the people that are already there, the members, they're not weirdos. Some of them might be, but they're not all weirdos. And, and what happens is we meet nice people. And they're ordinary people. They are the same as us. They're quite normal. And we look forward to seeing them again next week. And maybe the week after. And the music turns out to be not quite the dirge we thought it was going to be. And it's quite good. And actually, we listen to the music and we begin to get favourites. We begin to say, I like this one. The hips going, move along a bit. And somebody then, somebody then says... Would you mind doing this little job, this little thing? Just maybe once every four weeks, we just need this thing. And, and of course you say, yeah, because that makes us feel included. It makes us belong, feel like we belong. We are part of the furniture now. And then this has become your church. And you love it. You love all of it because you belong. You're here now. <clears throat> but maybe, just maybe, even for one or two here that have been here, possibly for many years, there's another step, one more, one more step to take. And it's the most important step, of course it is. It's the step that leads us all on to eternal life. And Jesus says to these people that have come for their free lunch, come to me, come to me. Verse 35 of John chapter 6, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Come to me. Believe in me. And this invitation from Jesus is one which many, many of us here have accepted. Coming to Jesus, not just to church, but to Jesus, may sound a bit vague, if you've not done that, but it, it involves simply this. Believing that he is who he says he is. That he will do what he says he will do. And understanding that he's the only one who can. Putting your trust in Jesus. And when any of us comes to Jesus, when any of us does that, taking that one more step, that life-changing step, then his arms are open wide and he does a little swap with that. You come to Jesus with his arms open wide, he will do a swap. We hand over to him all the sin, all the rubbish, all the things, the things that we've done that we wish we hadn't said, the problems that we've caused, the, just the things that are built up around all the bad stuff, all the things that we are... are uh, ashamed of. 
all the things that we've created, you hand it over to Jesus. And at that moment, he hands over to us eternal life. Not, not when we die, there and then. That's the swap. You give me all your rubbish, I'll give you eternal life. It starts now. I just, I, I just wonder if there's anybody here this morning who needs to do that. Whoever comes to me will never, ever go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never, ever be thirsty. Take that step. You won't regret it. Let me just pray with you now. Loving God, Lord, we live in a world that is not on our side. In a world that doesn't have your or our best interest at heart. You are the one true God, the only one who knows us, the only one who knows what we need. Would you help us to trust first and foremost in you? And Lord, too, we live in a world that's going faster and faster. The demands on our time are so great, but you have things that you want to show us, people you want us to be. Help us to slow down. Help us to sit at your feet and to talk to you and to listen to you. Help us, Lord, in our busy lives just to make time for you. And Lord, we live in a world that really wants us to reject the greatest gift of love that was ever given. Would you help us to keep you close by or to come back to you if we become distant, to return to you? And Lord, if there are any today who have yet to discover you, would you just show them the open arms of Jesus? Would you help them to make the best decision, the best choice they will ever make? In Jesus' name, amen.